somebody wanted me to talk a little bit about the upcoming elections and how important it is for us while we have time to uh, to be sure that we are picking the right people. Um, as a church, we can't say, hey, vote for Romney, hey, vote for Obama, vote for the Green Party, whatever. Um, however, as a church, we do have the right to say, listen, everything in our choices revolves around God, including how we vote for our leadership should revolve around God. Um, because God is not something that we add to our jobs, add to our family practices of soccer and whatever else. God is not something we add to our lives as husbands and wives. How we center our lives around God affects how we are in the workplace, how we are as a husband and wife, how we are as a parent, how we are in our hobbies and sports. Um, and so I just, uh, I'm recording this cause we have to give an account if there's any question that says, Oh, he was pushing Obama or he was pushing Romney. Um, so that's integrity on our part. Um, when we, when we choose to vote and, and I know you're going to say, well, Joel, you're just a young little guy, 29 years old. You don't, you haven't experienced much. You don't live much. You don't have to, the pressures of financial stuff that we do, retirement, et cetera. And I'm like, you know what? I do too have to be worried about retirement. I do have to be thinking about college funding. I do have to be thinking about the economic progress and, and what's happening in our community. I, it matters to me too. Um, and, and uh, you know, as I was in the workforce, you hear vote, for, vote with your wallet. You, 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 you vote according to what's going to help ensure a good livelihood for you and your family. And uh, honestly, that puts money above God. That puts money uh, above values, above principle of what is right and wrong. And uh, Jesus said it very plainly. You can't serve both God and money. You will either love God and hate money or love money and hate God. There is no middle of the fence. Um, and so I want to challenge you to consider where you're at on, uh, on your priorities and who you vote for leadership. Um, because if you're looking to ensure a job for you for the next 10, 20 years, you're, you could risk ruining the entire country for your children and grandchildren based on what we allow morality-wise in our country. Um, so it's very clear where we are as a church on what we stand with certain principles about, um, about abortion, about homosexuality, um, about legal process for immigration and things like that. Um, it's very clear. We, we have a, a statement of faith of what we believe as a church. And uh, that's based on the word of God and not based on popular culture or politics. And uh, so I want to encourage you, while we still have time, to do research. Look into what these people who are running for office, what they believe, what they stand for, what they are promoting. Um, in Canada, it was just passed that a child in the womb is not considered a human until it is born. Uh, that's so they could do away with
the, uh, the inconsistency they have of when you murder a pregnant woman, you are convicted with double homicide. But yet, they're going to say abortion is legal. And so that's a contradiction. And now they have changed that in Canada to where a pregnant woman is not, if you murder her, you're not considered committing double homicide, double murder, because the baby inside is not a human. Um, and as we continue to blur the lines, we, become, we devalue human life more and more. Um, so I, I think that that is going to greatly influence what happens in our future. So it's very important that you consider Christ in the center of all your choices, including who you vote for. Uh, the, the values and morals of what's, what legacy are we leaving our children and grandchildren. And sometimes that means short-term sacrifice for long-term gain. Amen? So, Kevin? Lord Jesus, thank you so much that yeah, you so. speak. And I thank you that you have been uh, speaking to Kevin uh, and helping him to prepare the message that you have for today. God, I thank you that you are not, um, not just some canned thing that on the fly here, as you choose, you can redirect yes. where we're going and um, that we can be responsive. I thank you that Kevin hears oh. the word of the Lord, that he hears your voice. Yes, God, uh, right now we prepare our hearts uh, whatever issues and emotions and yes. whatever plans that we have, God, uh, we just lay that down right now. We consciously choose to engage your word, to, to hear you, to open our ears and hear your word, God, to open our heart and let you begin this transformation that you would have for us today. Yes. So speak, God. Your servants are listening. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. It never, God never ceases to amaze me <clears throat> with his confirmation of things. Um, I just love how every, God's a God of order and how everything comes together. Uh, I didn't send out my scriptures until I believe Friday, I think it was, the pastor. Um, the worship team, as far as I know, I didn't tell them. They had no idea what I'd be speaking on today. But the songs all flowed together. And that's just how God does it. And so I just, another confirmation of his goodness, of his, of his love for us, and how he just wants to bless you as much as he can. You know, some of uh, people has asked me with my worship, and they ask, why do you always have to shout and yell and scream? And why are you so vocal? And I don't understand that. And I look at them and I said, because you don't understand the hell that he's brought me through. And I said, you don't understand that when times in my life where I fa faced rejection and I fa faced ridicule from people and, and, I, and I was condemned for things and, and always picked last and always beat up and picked on, and you don't understand that his word says that you are accepted in the beloved, that despite everything that people looks at me and judge me and thinks that I'm flawed, he says, but I created you unique. You are priceless. You are valued. So I want to say to someone here this morning, I don't care what people labels people's put on you. I don't care what, if they say that you're not beautiful or you're not measuring up. Your God tells you that you are beautiful. You, there is not another one like you, that you are priceless to him and that he bought you with a price and that he loved you so much 
that he died for you. That's how valuable you are to your God. And don't you ever let your mind forget the God that you serve. He is glorious. And that's what I'm going to be speaking on this morning, is that we serve a glorious God. He is, Joel, you are right. He is not like any other. There is not, it's not Muhammad, it's not Buddha, it's not any other little God out there, but we serve the living God. And he is glory, he shares his glory with none other. He alone is our creator, and he created you. And I will give him the glory that he deserves. Hallelujah. So I'm going to take my scripture text this morning and open up with Exodus chapter 33. As you're finding that, I believe it will also be on the the screen. In your bulletins, there's scriptures that I've put that you can look at reference at uh, your later time. But there's some questions in here that I put at the bottom. And it says, how have you experienced the glory of God in your life? If you was to examine your life and you was to examine your Christian walk, how have you experienced the glory of God in your life? That's something I want you to think about this week. The next one is, are you searching for the glory of God? Are you seeking for his glory? And the last one is, would you accept the glory of God if it manifests out of your comfort zone? Maybe someone screaming, maybe someone hollering, maybe someone shouting, maybe somebody dancing, maybe somebody running. You don't know what God's brought them through. It never ceases to amaze me how critical people can be over people that worship because you're so loud and churches scream. But they go to football games, they go to basketball games, they paint themselves up, they'll strip their clothes off, and you're holler and shout over a, 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 a ball and men in tights running around, but you can't come to church and worship and give God the glory, your creator? Do you think that heaven is going to be silent? If the angels in heaven are all day saying, holy, 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 what do you think we're going to be doing? If it's too loud for you here, you're not going to like heaven very much. It's time we get back to the basics. It's time we get back to the word of God. And we get back to giving him the glory and honor that he deserves. In Jesus' name. Exodus 33. I'm going to ask us to do something this morning. If we would stand in just in honor of the reading of his word this morning. Exodus 33. Let me just tell you what's going on here. Um, and it's coming now that Moses, he's asking the Lord that if he would go with him, the Lord's telling him to move. It's time for you and the children of Israel to move. And when the Lord was telling Moses to speak to the people and to tell them to move, of course, that we in our human flesh begin to murmur. So God again was saying, I don't know how much longer I'm going to deal with these people. Moses interceded and Moses said, it's like this, Lord, if you don't go before us and your glory doesn't go before us, then I don't want to go. So now it says in verse 17, it says, So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing of what you have spoken, for you have found favor in my sight, and I have known you by name. That is a promise that you need to get into your mind this morning, that your creator, the God of heaven, knows you by name. In all his splendor and all his glory, he knows you by name. This is one of... My many, one of many favorite scriptures that I have. It says, then Moses said, I pray you, show me 
your glory. That should be a prayer every morning when you wake up. Lord, show me your glory today. Reveal yourself to me. Manifest your presence in my life. Let me just see a glimpse of your splendor and glory in my life. And he said, I myself will make all goodness. This is the Lord. The Lord uh, spoke to him and he says, I will myself will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And I will be gracious to whom I'm gracious and will show compassion on who I will show compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no man can see me and live. Then the Lord said, behold, there is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. I want to tell you why this is. There's so many foreshadowings here of Christ in this, in this scripture. We know that he is our rock. He is our firm foundation. We know that he was the rock in the wilderness to people and to the children of Israel that brought forth water for them. So the Lord is telling him, you know, he says, and then he goes on, he says, and it will come and it will come about while my glory is passing by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And the last Then I will take my hand away, and you shall see my back, but by my face shall not be seen. Brother Bob, would you pray over the word today? I want to speak on this topic. He is glorious. Yes. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Thank you for your obedience. You can be seated. Thank you. I want to just begin and give us a little definition of what glory means. And I can say that upon my research of preparing for this message, that none of them will ever come close to the true and awesome glory of God. But in in our uh, finite minds that we try to... um, come to try to know the realization and and try to know of the knowledge of the things of God. But again, we can't compare. So some of the definitions that I found for glory is very great praise or honor, adoring praise or worshiping thanksgiving, worshipful thanksgiving, give glory to God, Uh, magnificence, the splendor and bless of heaven, 
A ring or circle surrounding radiance of light represented about the head or the whole figure of a sacred person. I, I wasn't raised Catholic. I didn't understand a lot of things. And I always, when I was a child, I always wondered, what is that halo thing around Jesus? I never understood what that represented. And here it is a representation of the glory of God. And the last is to exalt with triumph, rejoice proudly. So these are just some of the things that explains the glory, um, what it means to give glory to, to God or even give glory. You know, some people I've heard the phrase, oh, she came out and she was adorned in all her glory. Well, that just shows that she was adorned in beauty and everything that she had and, and that she just was done up to look beautiful and look, and look glorious. But it still doesn't compare to the glory of God. Uh, Moses spoke and the children of Israel about the, the glory of God. And Exodus 15, it says, Who like you among the gods, O Lord, glorious in holiness, awesome in splendor, performing great wonders. They're saying there is no other God like you. And trust me, they knew what it was like to serve other gods because they came from Egypt that, served, that had many gods. And they even the golden calf that we all hear about. And here, as they, the Lord brought them through the Red Sea and delivered them, and now they're looking back and seeing that God brought victory and triumph over their enemies. They're saying, who is like you, God? There is none like you. And that's what I want you to know this morning again, that there is none like the God that we serve. There is none glorious like he is. And it goes on, and 1 Timothy even talks about that he dwells in an approachable light. That's why in the opening scripture that God told Moses, you cannot look on all of me and live. We can't, in our, in our best days, look upon, in our best spiritual walk, look upon the glory of God. Our minds can't conceive it. If you think of something somewhere you visited, I think Linda was talking about how she went to the Grand Canyon and just she was like, oh, it's just so glorious. It's just so remarkable and wonderful. It still doesn't compare to who God is. He alone is glory. He alone is glory. But it says he dwells in an approachable light, which means that we can't approach him and live other than through Jesus Christ. Isaiah talks and in the Lord's and through the prophet Isaiah and he says I am the Lord. He says this is my name and he says my glory will I not share with another or even with an idol. Let me tell you I know that there was a, a phrase um, Oprah Winfrey I can't believe I'm actually quoting her but anyways she had a problem and she said that the reason one of the reasons she left Christianity is because she couldn't understand how God could be jealous. She said that was one of the things that, that, that she just couldn't understand. Well, I wanted to tell her, if I had an opportunity, that I wanted to say, listen, he is your creator. You created him. He created you. And he does not want to give his glory to anyone else. I would also like to compare it this way. To parents in here that you have children. Do you want your children calling anybody else mommy or daddy? Why would it be different with God that created you? He created you. He wants the glory. And he deserves it. I have no problem giving him the glory that he deserves. So Oprah, I'm sorry that you walked away because you feel that your God is jealous. But I think he has every right to be. So I pray for you. 
It says one of the many blessings that we can experience in his presence and in his glory is the Bible says that in his presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. In a world today that is looking for hope, that is going astray, looking for everything to fill the gap in their life and try to find happiness and joy, let me end your search this morning. Get into the presence of God. Get into his glory. You will find your joy. And the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. If you feel weak this morning, if you feel downcast, and you feel like you can't make it, I guarantee you, if you just search for him and get into his presence, you will be renewed and gain the strength that you need to go on and to make it. In his presence is fullness of joy. Hallelujah. I'm going to talk a moment on how he has manifested his glory, how he has showed his glory to us. We sung the song this morning that in Psalms 19 and verse 1, it says, the heavens declare your glory and the firmament shows forth your handiwork. The Bible even goes on in in Romans 1 that said on the day of judgment, when people that even proclaimed that they never believed God, because today in the world, it's all about reason. It's all about touch. And they want to be like, if I can't see it, I'm not going to believe it. Well, let me tell you something. Human reasoning doesn't compare to faith. God has given us faith. And let me tell you, if you have experienced Christ in your life, you have felt his touch. You have felt the touch of the master's hand and it has become real to you. So it is not about human reasoning. The Bible says that our reasoning is foolishness to God. It doesn't compare to who he is and to his splendor and to his knowledge. He reveals himself to who he reveals himself to. But he said he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want a touch from God? I hear people all the time saying, well, I left that church because the presence of God wasn't there. Let me tell you something, that you bring the presence of God in. Do you know that? Do you know that the Bible says that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit? If you have been born again, you have his spirit in you. And you need to stir up the spirit in you. We come to church and we want to sit here. We have the wrong mentality. And see, the enemy wants to blind us. And he wants to get our minds off of Christ. So we come in and we sit and we say, well, worship team, move me. Well, say a little word that's going to move me. Well, special song, move me. Well, Pastor Joel, hurry up. You got a half hour. You better move me. And you know, that's the wrong mentality we have. Because see, when we come to church and we come through those doors, we need to say, Lord, I'm here to move you. Lord, I'm here to give you praise. If he never blesses you again, if he never puts another dime in your pocket, if he never heals you again, he's done enough to deserve all your glory. He still deserves it. We need, to, we need to get back to God. We need to come back to the Lord. There are scriptures in the Bible that tells the church to awake, to come out of your slumber and come out of your sleep. And I hate to say it, but the churches in America today is falling asleep. And we need to get back to God. He says, when I come back, am I going to find faith on the earth? I believe he's speaking to his children. Am I going to find faith? Is there faith here? I believe there is.
I felt his presence this morning as we worshiped. Hallelujah. Let me continue. Second Chronicles chapter seven and verses one through three. He has manifested his glory by his presence and by his filling the temple. We see here, I just love this as well, because Solomon, they have built the temple for the Lord. This is what is happening. And they have brought in all the furniture, the Ark of the Covenant, the table of showbread, the lampstand. They brought all the furniture into the temple. And Solomon is now praying a prayer and he's praying a blessing upon the temple. And it says here, it says, now when Solomon had finished praying, I just love this because I can't help but think that God couldn't wait to show up. He just couldn't wait to come down to his people. And it says, now when Solomon had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled, filled the house so much that the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. And all the sons of Israel, seeing the fire come down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, bowed down on the pavement with their faces to the ground. And they worshiped and gave praise to the Lord, saying, truly, he is good. Truly, his loving kindness is everlasting. Let me tell you, when God shows up, you can't help but stand in his presence. When, his, when you get the glory of God on your life, we see in scriptures that people just fall because of the glory that, of God touching your life. We see here, I believe that God couldn't wait to show up and to dwell among his people. And that's what he, every time we come to church, every time that we're here, he wants to show up here. He wants to manifest himself. He wants to interact with his people. And he wants you to give him the glory. Hallelujah. We also see continuing that we now have his glory and his um, among us today. He says in Isaiah, he said, the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. He was saying this. He said that through the prophet Isaiah, there is coming a day that I will manifest my glory to where you can see me. That you can see my glory. You can see all of me. Everything that I am, you will be able to see. There is coming a day, he's saying to the people. Hallelujah. And God is faithful to what he promised. We see the fulfillment in John chapter 1. It says, and where the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. His glory was revealed in Jesus Christ alone. We see on the Mount of Transfiguration in Matthew chapter 17 and verses 1 through 6, we see again, it says six days later, Jesus took up with him Peter, James, and John, his brother, and led them up at a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured, changed before them. And his face shone like the sun. And his garments became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is, good, is it good for us to be here? If you wish, I would make three tabernacles. Here, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, here it is, a bright 
cloud overshadowed them, just like in the tabernacle, just like in the temple. And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Again, when the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground and were terrified. We see here that it was a confirmation from the Father that even he overshadowed his son and he showed that his glory, when Jesus was transfigured, he began to be transfigured into the glory of God, all that God is. We see in Hebrews that he is the brightness of his glory and he is the expressed image. Jesus said in John 14, he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We don't have to search any longer, but we have the fulfillment of the promise of God's glory when we see Jesus Christ. All the fullness, the Bible says, of the Godhead is in Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible calls him the glorious one, the holy one, the just one. It is all fulfilled in Jesus Christ. This is how God chose to manifest himself unto mankind. He is Glorious. The last topic I want to speak on this morning is how can you usher in his glory into your life and into the church? Let me just give you some principles here of how you can do that. The first thing that the Bible says is that in Ephesians 3.21, to him be glory in the church. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus, to all generations forever and ever. One of the ways that we can bring glory and honor is through the church, through each other that we have here, and through Jesus Christ, of course. When we come together, we are not coming together necessarily as individuals, but the Bible says that we are the body of Christ. So when we come together, we come together in unity to bring him and to manifest his glory among us. Um, we go on in First Peter, it says, But may the God of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus. When we receive salvation, you receive Christ, and you receive the glory into your life. We know also that at his coming, we will see him in all his glory. If I can make it a little bit more personal, The Bible says, Jesus said, if you love me, you'll what? Keep my commandments, obey me. That's the number one thing is obedience that God asked for. The Bible even says that obedience is better than sacrifice. He wants us to be obedient. He wants us to be obedient to his word. He wants us to be obedient to to proclaiming his word to others. And he wants us to be obedient to living the lifestyle that he has created us to live. We also know that through praise and worship that we bring honor and glory to God as we experienced here already this morning that we are to praise him, to lift up his name, that we even know that even in Psalms 22, 3, that it says that he inhabits the praises of Israel, meaning that he just comes down, inhabit means to dwell, to come down into tabernacle. So as we begin to lift up God and we begin to praise him, he can't help but to come in and to usher in into our presence because that's where he loves to dwell in the beauty of holiness and of worship. 
Psalm 100 and verses 1 through 5. This is one of the ones that I really want us to get in our minds because it says, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. That's where the song, shout to the Lord, that's where you get it. So I'm even scripture when I'm yelling and screaming and shouting hallelujah. I have a scripture to back me up. It says, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful singing. I believe we've done that this morning. I believe we came here. I believe we lifted him up with joyful singing. It says, know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. For the Lord is good, his loving kindness is everlasting, and his faithfulness to all generations. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. This is what we are to do. We are to bring thanksgiving. We are to bring praise and worship. And for length of time, I'm not going to, I won't have it this morning, but there is a difference between thanksgiving, praise, and worship. There is a difference in that. Um, One of the scriptures for you to read, if you want to just experience and have an example on the glory of God, is 1 Chronicles 16, in your own time, that you can just look through that and read. And it talks of the the glory of God. You can um, also pray in the titles, pray in his title, that God, you are my Prince of Peace. Lord, you are my Redeemer. You are my Savior. Lord God, you are my strong tower. Just going through that is giving him the praise and glory. Just looking through the Bible, Lord, you are the glorious one. You are the just one. You are the holy one. Just by doing that alone begins to stir up your spirit. and begins to usher in the presence of God in your life. So many people like, I don't know how to pray. I'm telling you, just start praying his titles. Just start praying, Lord, thank you, you're my Savior, that you've redeemed me, that you're my healer, God, that you never left me or forsake me, Lord God. Just, just those things alone begins to usher in the glory of God. If you've never read through the book of Psalms, I encourage you, pick up Psalms. Pick up the book of Psalms and begin to read the book of Psalms. They tell of his greatness and his glory. Because you will then grow into a deeper relationship with him. You know, one of the things that, that gets me is when people come, they're like, well, I've tried God and, and um, he didn't work for me. Well, how, how desperate was you? How much did you try pursuing him? I can't help but think of Matthew chapter 15 and verses 21 through 28. I want to show you something here of a woman because of how desperate she was. There's many examples of, of desperate people in the, in the word of God. We know of blind Bartimaeus, how people was telling him to shut up, but he crept, kept crying out all the more. We know with a woman with the issue of blood, where she had to fight through crowds of people. But she said, if I can just, if I can just get to touch the hem of his garment. And then we come to the woman of Cana. I want to point out some things here to you this morning as I am preparing to close. Yes, I am. You will be out of here very shortly. All right. Yeah. Matthew 15. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord. Let me just stop for a moment. She was from Cana, which the Jews viewed as a Gentile. 
So to them, Gentiles meant nothing. So here she comes out from her region into the land of Jerusalem. And she comes there and she sees the Lord. Obviously, she had to hear that he was among the people. She was knowledgeable that the Jews was waiting for their Messiah. That there was a prophecy saying that one day the Messiah would come. So she was aware of the custom of the Jews. So now she comes amongst, you will see here, obstacles that she came. And she comes to the Lord and she says, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. That son of David was representing that she was saying, have mercy on me, Messiah, When she spoke this amongst the Jews, the Jews knew what she was speaking of. That she is now claiming him. She's a Gentile, but she is claiming him as Lord and Messiah. I want you to get this in your mind this morning. She says, my daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Listen to what he said. Nothing. How many times in your life have you pursued God? And you've asked him possibly for a healing, asking him to deliver you from depression, to save your family, and you hear nothing. Five years, 10 years, 15 years, and there's nothing. Here she is, a mother. Many of you in here are mothers that if you, your daughter or your son was sick, you would do everything in your power that you can to make them well, even if it was sacrificing your own life for them. And now she's coming to Jesus and saying, my daughter's possessed, and he's not even answered her word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. She kept pursuing. She kept coming after them, and they kept pushing her aside. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe in your church, maybe in your Christian walk, you felt pushed aside by even members in the own body of Christ. But did she? No. He said to her, finally, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He was saying to her, I have a ministry. I have a purpose. I was sent here for the children of Israel. He is trying to do something in her life. I want you to see this. He's not being cruel or rude to her, but he is making an example even to the children, even to the Jews that are around. I want you to get this this morning. But she came and began to bow down. Now she's beginning to show a sign of worship. Do you get this? First she acknowledged him as Lord. Then she acknowledged him as Messiah. Now she's bowing down and worship before him. And she says, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, it is not good to take the children's bread. Do you not know that one of the titles of Jesus is the bread of heaven? He said, it's not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to dogs. You know, in the, in the church of America today, how many people would have ran out of church if the pastor was to call you a dog? I mean, it's true. He is trying to show here. Let me point this out. Psalms 23 says, thou preparest a table for me. This is what Jesus is showing the Jews. 
he is now showing to her, he says, that there is a table that is prepared for the Jews. But he's also showing them because she is knowledgeable that she is counted as a dog among the Jews. Do you get this? She knows this. And Jesus knows it. So he's pulling this out of her and he's showing the example to the Jews. He's making a point here. And he says that I can't take it and throw it to the dogs. But she didn't stop. She wasn't offended. Jesus said, blessed are those who are not offended in me. People are leaving churches because somebody didn't shake your hand or because the pastor didn't pray for you. Get over yourself. Your self-righteousness is that's filthy rags before him. You're not all that. Don't get offended and leave. Don't let the enemy rob you of your blessing. But she goes on and she says, yes, Lord. She acknowledges, yes, I'm a dog. I know it. But she says that even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Let me show you her faith here. It has been scientifically proven that if you have a cake and you take one crumb from that cake and you take it to the lab and they examine it, that they can tell you every ingredient that was in that cake from one crumb. She said, that's all right, Lord. I don't even have to have the whole cake, but if you just give me a crumb is all I need. There's enough in that crumb that I'll get the glory, uh, that I'll get the healing, that I'll get the faith that I need. I'll get the strength I need. That's what God looks at. And look what he said to her. Oh, woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed. Don't you see that God is looking for just a crumb of your faith? He has given you a seed that he has planted in your life. And if you begin to to water and you begin to care for that seed, you will see the manifestation of his glory in your life. One crumb is enough to usher in his glory into your life. I have to end, but I want to end with this. Hallelujah, Jesus. Praise you, God. Hallelujah. We are living sacrifices before him, the Bible tells us in Romans 12. We was created for his glory in Isaiah 43. And what is another way that we bring in is because we know in 1 Corinthians, as I've already said, that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says when we come together, you are to bring a song. You are to bring a hymn. You are bring to a word of encouragement for your brother or sister. This is another way that we usher in his glory is by encouraging and uplifting one another. You know, one of the things that I say, the Bible says the enemy, which is Satan, goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Do you know who's thrown him the prey? It's us. We're the ones that when a brother or sister offends us, that we want to kick them out. We want to toss them. And there's the enemy seeking who he may devour. We've got to wake up, church. And we've got to realize that we do need each other. You are not an island by yourself. But God has created mankind to dwell in unity together, to edify and to uplift um, each other. We need each other. I want to close with this scripture and I'm out of your way. We see Psalms 23 says that, that he is the shepherd. Can I just tell you that what Psalms 24 says? The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. 
For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend unto the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in the holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. He's telling you to examine yourself. Search yourself. Is there anything in you that's keeping you from bringing glory to God? Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully? He shall revive, receive the blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. This is the generation of them that seek him, that seek thy face. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be lifted up, ye everlasting doors. And the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads. O ye gates, even lift them up, ye everlasting doors, that the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? He is the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. And he is glorious. Thank you this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah.